0: Bible, a biblicist podcast. Well, thanks, uh, Pastor Joe, for being back on the Live the Bible. Yeah, uh, glad to be back. Looking forward to having another conversation with you and uh, looking forward to just having some really solid conversations over the next several weeks yeah. um, on different topics. And uh, today's topic, as you already know, is about suffering, um, which is a difficult topic for many. Mm-hmm. Um Um, Some people have used it to try and make it seem like God doesn't exist because they're suffering. Mm -hmm. um, But even for the believer, suffering can be a a complicated topic, Um, a hard thing to process. And uh, in light of that, um, if you're watching today's video and maybe you're... Grieving someone right now, or maybe you're going through some suffering right now I hope this video can be a blessing to you But if you're not ready to listen to it yet, then just you can click and watch something else at the moment If it's just too heavy of a topic for you right now. I totally understand that um, But uh, but I think it would be a blessing uh, to you if you stay and listen um, So the reality is we live in a world we live in a reality where tragedy strikes whether it's a fluke accident um, a disease Um, someone's ill intent or natural disaster, whatever you want to call it. People get hurt, people die, people suffer, people grieve the loss of loved ones. Um, And we're going to get into some theology in a minute. But before we dive into theology of why that is and the hope that we can have, that we can cling to even within the suffering, within the chaos, what do you tell people who come to you seeking answers, uh, seeking comfort, who have suffered loss, who are going through a great trial.
1: Yeah. Well, honestly, like I, th- this topic is always something that I feel, I feel always a little bit inadequate um, when I'm talking with someone because, you know, I I know the theological answer, um, and and we do need to point people to the theological answer and give them the reality of Scripture, um, but I always struggle with it because it's like. You know it's such an emotional thing, especially, especially when someone is in the middle of that grief and confusion, and um, to a to a certain degree, I mean we have all been there, but when there's just a when a, a, a just a tremendous tragedy strikes, um, I always feel inadequate because sometimes just the theological answer um, isn't really bringing them comfort in that moment. Yeah. Um, And so what I try to do is, yes, give some scriptural truth, I try to just let that person know, those people know, that um, we care, that I'm there for you, I want to walk with you through this, I want to pray with you, we as a church want to come alongside of you to help in any way that we can, um, but I don't try to I don't try to unload all of the fix it answers and right. all you know and, and really dive deep into all of the theology behind it. Yeah. I think there's definitely a time you need to have that conversation. Right. Um, and so while we do need to give I think some scriptural truth um, in in the midst of that pain, just being there for them yeah. and um, and honestly and just praying for wisdom yeah. on what to say um, and because again I always feel inadequate in those situations of just struggling to find the right words. Yeah. So I pray that God will give me wisdom and I just try to let them know that we're there for you and we want to walk with you through this.
0: Yeah. That's really important that that space for grieving, that space yes. for processing uh whether it's the loss of someone or 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 suffering that someone's going through and trying to process all that. Um I think the Bible's pretty clear on, on you see characters throughout scripture that are grieving and asking God, why is this going yeah. on? And that space is so important. Yes. Um, and then coupled with that, he's talking about praying is that, um, yeah, maybe you could give a theological answer, but what, what someone might need and does need is the Spirit of God yeah. to bring a peace that intellect can't give. That's right. Yes, um, absolutely. So creating space for that, prayer mm-hmm. for that, grief for that, that's what that space is for, for God to do a work that we can't do.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, you know, the, again, the theological reason, like we know that that's there. Um, but I like to even think of, okay, when I've gone through times of tremendous grief mm. and loss, you know, for me it was when my father passed away rather suddenly, um, I knew all those theological answers. Right. Um, and, and again, those did bring comfort, but in that moment, um, it was just having people that I knew were there for me that cared and you know, that, um, that meant so much and still does. Yeah. And just knowing people were there, knowing it was going to be a long journey, but I had people that were going to walk with me through that.
0: Yeah. And that's really awesome. That's good. Um, there's not a lot that we can say before asking questions that are going to be theological questions because it is a theological thing Mm -hmm. of of wondering why things are the way they are and why they're suffering. Um, One last thing I wanted to add to what you said is um, I told you I just read um, A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis and I thought it was really helpful, really short read, only like 104 pages or something like that. Of course, he had some conclusions or beliefs that obviously I wouldn't Hold to. He had a lot of questions about the afterlife and what happens at death that I think we have really clear answers on, mm-hmm. but he didn't feel so sure about. Yeah. Um. But, um, when talking about that grieving stage and 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 that process of trying, like, man, how do I, in that in the midst of pain, the midst of loss, all his arguments, all the things that he knew, like you were just saying, like I knew the theology behind it. He said it was like a strong rope you could tie a box together. But now it was like he's hanging off a cliff and that rope's all he has mm-hmm. and he doesn't know if that's sufficient enough to mm-hmm. hold him up or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was just a really good analogy of, like, I know this is a sturdy rope, but until I'm hanging off a cliff with it, that really is going to let me know whether or not I believe that or not. Yeah. Um, and that testing of the faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good analogy. And I, I will add this as well. I think when we're going through, or when someone's going through tremendous pain and grief, maybe the loss of someone unexpectedly or just a, a tragedy of, um, of a strained relationship. Um, I think it does reveal mm. what our theology is sometimes. Absolutely, Just with the things that we'll hear people say. And so, so the theology is very, very important. Um, but like you said, I think many times when we go through that, it's like, okay, is, it's one thing to tell someone this who's grieving, but what about when you're going through it? Yeah. You wonder. Is this, is this going to be sufficient? Yes.
0: And, and yeah. it's just important to know that whether, whether you're a new believer or whether you're someone who's been a believer for 30 plus years, um, that whether you're someone in ministry or just a layman in the church, like whatever that looks like, um, we will have gone or will go through moments of asking God questions. Mm-hmm. And having these seasons of doubt of like, of, of our, of our trust in God and like, man, I know God's sovereign, but like, does he really know what he's doing? Like, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah. and it's, and it's important for people to know that, um, we will go through seasons of life where we ask these questions before God. Um, yeah. and that no, no one can just dodge that bullet of mm-hmm. never having to ask any questions or never wonder anything like, and so, um, Throughout Scripture, you're in good company of yeah. people that have asked God questions yes. why,
1: um, and uh, and throughout Christian history as well. Yeah, and it seems like God's okay with with us coming to Him with those questions. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I, off the, off the top of my head, I think of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. who is like,
1: Behold, the Lamb of
0: yeah. God. Who And then later on, he's in prison. Like, can you go make sure that's actually who I thought yeah. it was? So like, <laughs> that's right. You know. that's right. <laughs> um, and so you just it's as important. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's dive into some questions that are going to open up some cans of theology here. Okay. Um, If God made everything very good, like we see in Genesis, you know, the days of creation, again, this is very good. um, Then why do very bad things happen in this world that he created that's very
1: good? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I I think something that for um, thousands of years, uh, theologians and philosophers have wrestled with that. Yeah. You know, and I think that the, the general answer is that, well, we're, we're in a fallen world. That when sin entered the world, um, that affected everything. Sin has had an effect on everything. And so, even though we, we affirm the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, that God has a plan and a purpose in all of it, um, still, though, the, the reality is that because sin entered the world, bad things happen there's devastation, there's ruin. All of those things come because we're in a sin-cursed world and and we're fallen creatures. Right.
0: I think one aspect of that that might be easier to understand than others is like, we understand that people are going to do bad things to other people. Yeah. Right? There's there's, there's people that um, just have a steered conscience and do these unimaginable things. Yeah. Um, And I think... um, in a theological sense, we can understand people making these bad choices or even not someone else. Maybe we make a bad choice that causes suffering in our family or in our own lives, right? Yeah. Um, Or or choices that we make or unhealthy choices that we make. Um, And we can understand that. But I think might be even more difficult sometimes in a theological sense is what about like natural disasters, Yeah. Like tornadoes, floods, hurricanes. In our case, like here in in the Midwest, the derecho, like, you know, these different things. Why is the natural world so dangerous? Like, Hey, we get it. Like mankind has fallen and and is in sin and, and bad people do bad things to each other or people do bad things to themselves, to to their families. But, but surely couldn't God just stop like tornadoes? I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, though, for sure. Um, and you're right. I mean, we see, we have no problem seeing every day the depravity of man. Right. Um, you just, things that you, just when you think like, okay, like you can't even imagine something as, as um, tragic and as horrific as what people do to other people. And then, you know, and then you see reality. It's like, it's even worse than what you could yeah. imagine. Um, but yeah, what about, what about the natural disasters? What about... The hurricanes, the the tsunamis, the mm-hmm. here in our own city the, or this area with with um, the derecho that we had a year ago, and um, you know. But I, I think the answer to that is we Romans eight um, I think alludes to the fact that all of creation is affected mm. by the curse of sin, um, and I say that because it seems like the implication from Romans eight is that. That all of this creation is groaning. All of this creation has been affected because we're in that fallen world. Yeah. So um, it's not just that man is sinful and depraved and fallen, but but it's affected all of creation. Mm. Um, and I know you can get into maybe um, you know more speculative theories sure. of, of some of that of just um, of just how far that that curse has reached um, mm. into like nature and things like that. Um, but but again, I, I really think that because of the fall, because we're in a fallen world, it has an effect not just on man and our in our sinful choices, but it has an effect on this whole world that we're living in is under a curse. Yeah. No, that's really good because like,
0: um, yeah, Scripture seems to say that. Even the earth and and all of creation is groaning for restoration. It's mm-hmm. growing, for, groaning towards redemption. Yeah, um, yeah. And that it's not just uh, humans, but everything is under a curse. Uh, that's why we see the disasters that we do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and in light of that, like Scripture says that those things the natural things that happen in this world, that those things fall on the just and the unjust. That's um, right. You know, that's, that's right. It's, yep. There yep. is no escaping that. That's the world that, that you live in. And once, again, and once again, I'm saying this in a theological sense because if you're grieving right now, I don't mean this uh, in, a, in a flippant way at all. Sure. Um, but uh, the reality of the fall is so severe. Our, as humanity, seeking self-autonomy, independence from God um the rebellion of fall is so harsh so dramatic that this is the bed that we've made mm-hmm. and unfortunately we like, we have to sleep in it yeah 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 that's a good and, way to put it's, it. it it's not yes god is sovereign but this is the bed that we've made sure and uh, this is the yeah. outcome of of our first parents mm-hmm. um it's in our nature but also by choice like this is the result of that. That's right. Um, and we can understand that in like a, in a small sense. We understand someone makes this choice to steal. They get caught. They go to jail. They can see a, a the domino effect of someone making a bad choice and the result of it. Mm-hmm. And so, on a large scale, um, think of stealing from God Himself. Yeah. And the effects of that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Well, I think it's a good good answer there. Um, so a little more difficult question because we those are more like in a general sense. But if God is perfect, all powerful and good, then why does it seem that God allows bad things to happen to people that are outwardly living what seems to be good lives? Mm-hmm. and along with that I'll say this because we would consider this too is why does he allow bad things to happen to a baby or, or a young child yeah. it would be in the same light that we look at our, as our babies and our, our young children as innocent and we see and and I know like some people would have a response of good people there's no good yeah, people right? like, and I understand <laughs> what you're saying but like we're measuring that in the sense of a neighbor who cares about their neighbors and doesn't lie to them sure. and doesn't cheat them and cares for them when they have needs versus a neighbor who will steal from you will, will kill you will mm-hmm. um, you know doesn't like you at all and you have this animosity so like that's how we differentiate like bad neighbors and good neighbors from a human perspective yeah. so in light of people that man they just really are a really genuine nice person they're there they care for you or a young child. Why does it seem that that mm. if, if God's good then why to see let these things happen to someone
1: like that? Yeah, and I think once again, um, as you pointed out, Caleb, like um, the, you know, we're we're not alone in thinking those things and having those questions. I mean, the scriptures are filled with with people asking those questions to God. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of David in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about it seem like why is it that the wicked are prospering? Mm-hmm. You know, why does it seem like um, the the people that are evil. Are getting away with it. Hmm. Um, I think of even um, in uh, Ecclesiastes. I think is where you know where, where Solomon's asking why why is it that sometimes the wicked live long prosperous lives, but yet those that are good again in the sense of that they're innocent they're not they're not trying to harm people. Um, why is it that their life is cut short hmm. from our perspective? Yeah, you know. So I think we see that in scripture. And we have those questions. And, and not only in Scripture, but we see that in everyday life. It seems like, why is it that there's people um, who, who can live you know, wicked, uh, just violent lives and steal from people and harm other people? And it seems like here in this life, they get by with it. Mm-hmm. But yet, what about the Christians um, who are suffering all over the world for mm-hmm. most of their life? Or a baby that God takes, or mm-hmm. or a child that's born um, unhealthy and that suffers their entire life, um, and and again, like theologically, I think we can answer that. Right. Um, but it's really hard, just practically, with answering that um, without seeming flippant, yeah. or without without seeming um, without seeming like we're having compassion on on those situations, right. Um, You know, I think of, so a modern day example, well, not super modern, but um, I've brought up before in in a sermon about uh, the dictator in in Cambodia, Pol Pot. Mm -hmm. And we had the the privilege of touring some of that area in Cambodia and and the fascinating thing to me, the most disturbing thing about Pol Pot is like of, of all the millions of people that he was responsible for murdering, his own people and the torture he placed them under, but yet it seemed like he never faced justice. Mm -hmm. You know, even after, um, after his regime, you know, like they tried to go after him for war crimes. Um, but it seemed like he lived out his last days in just peace and quiet out on the countryside with his family and lived a a fairly older life. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And so for us, we look at that and we think like, man, this, this isn't fair. How, how can we reconcile this? Um, and so I think that we have to answer it by looking, you know, not only at this life, but that there is a judgment day that's coming. Yeah. Um, but also recognizing here in this life, God does have a purpose for all of it. Yeah. Um, but yet knowing that, you know, for for us as believers, having a scriptural worldview that it's more than just this life. You know, that there is a world to come, that there is justice that's ahead uh, for each of us. And so I think for evildoers, you know, why does it seem like they're prospering? Well, give it time. I think that many times we will see justice here in this life. For the times that we don't, we know that ultimately all sin will be judged. That when we die, we stand before our Creator and that there is a final judgment injustice that's ahead you know as far as what about the evil happening to the the you know the innocent so to speak or the young child that that dies at four years old of cancer um those are some of the hardest things for us to wrap our head around like why does that happen and you know i think that you know as we as we dive in theologically of, of knowing god does have a purpose even for what what seems like the most tragic things that happen you know and we look at the cross yeah you know and i think because we see what was really the most uh, the most blatant case of injustice and tragedy the only innocent person christ and the the horrific death he died the worst death you could imagine but yet we see then in the gospels even after his death his own followers in in acts are, are recognizing the fact that well God had a purpose even in in man's evil and even in the worst injustice. And so if we see God's purpose in something on that grand of a scale, then we can have faith for the times that we don't see and we don't understand why a four-year-old passes away of cancer, why a baby is born with certain conditions and they're gonna suffer most of their life. Well, because God draws back the curtain of certain things to show us he's got a purpose in it So that we can have a greater faith and trust him for the things that we don't understand and we don't see. Yeah. I think the
0: answer is really good. I think when you're going through the depths, um, you're going through your darkest hour, it's the hardest to believe that God has purpose in something. Yeah. And once again, I want to say I don't think that's wrong to feel that. God understands that we are finite beings. He understands that suffering is painful. Mm-hmm. He knows personally. And, um, but we can't just make the assumption that God cannot use some of the most horrific situations and tragedies and use them for his glory yeah, and right. use them for ultimate good. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Right. Like I already know, like some of the things that come to my mind of like, how in the world could God use this horrific thing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not saying that God condones horrific acts of sin. I'm not saying that He wants people to do them. I'm sure. saying that God, in His sovereignty, can use them for His glory and for ultimate good, and that takes an incredible amount of faith. Yeah, it's believing. That God allows certain things or doesn't intercede in certain situations because it's going according to His purposes. Yeah, um, it's having to trust Him that good can come through it. Mm. Now we once again right we can here. understand this in small ways. Mm-hmm. We've seen where where God has used tragedy to do great to do good things, whether it's in the in the life a life of Joseph, right? Sure, but like, yeah. but even outside of Scripture. You see in people's lives where they've had incredible faith and they've had a life of suffering, and then they've seen, but God used it to reach my family with the gospel yeah. or mm-hmm. to give me this ministry to be able to do this. God was glorified through my suffering. Yeah. Well, see, this that's on someone's journey of them experiencing that, but you have story after story of believers who have understood how God has used suffering. Mm-hmm. And use tragedy and use sinful man and used natural disaster to propagate the gospel to glorify God and uh, once again uh, that's that's easy to say when you're not in that moment, Absolutely. and I totally understand yes. that, but that's the reality is that God is eternal outside of time and space mm-hmm. And when we're in that darkest hour, even through the struggle, what God is leading us to is a stronger faith. Mm -hmm. What he's leading us to is a more substantial faith. Yes. Of, I can't just trust an argument. I can't just trust some theological framework of thinking. I have to trust you. Yeah. Yeah. And you alone. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'll reference um, A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. He was afraid that his faith was nothing but a mere house of cards. And when his wife died from cancer, it's like his faith just got knocked over. That's mm-hmm. what he felt like. He felt like his, this house of cards fell over. And so he was like, man, am I, am I fake? Is my mm-hmm. faith even real? And as I'm processing this, am I just putting my house of cards back together that's just going to get knocked over again? Mm-hmm. But later in the book, he concluded "With in regards to that, he's like, you know what? It, my faith was a house of cards. And God knocked it down on purpose mm-hmm. because he doesn't want my faith to be a house of cards. He doesn't want to be that flimsy. He, doesn't, he yeah. wants me to have a strong faith. Mm. He wants me. That's good. And so at the end of that book, it was Lewis. He still had questions. He was still grieving. Still had a hard time. And I want to make sure this, like, I don't, I, there is no, in a sense, getting over something. Yeah. Some of the stuff we have to go through our lives and process. hmm um, for our entire lives, but um, at the end of it, he knew that God was real. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God was sufficient in what he needed, even even when he still had questions. But that's what he came through. But once again, this in looking at specific people, but. Um, You look at the apostles, you look at New Testament believers who the church was born into adversity, was born into persecution, being killed for just loving Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, but they didn't cause them to doubt him. No. Mm -mm. Unless they didn't have questions, but people that were faithful unto death for Jesus, when they knew that God knew they'd be in that situation and they didn't turn their back on God and Mm -hmm. that they knew they could trust him. Um, people who have been through great, awful things like the Holocaust and have come through that with great faith and trusting God. God. Yeah. And so I say that to say it's not like it's some dagger to end Christianity or to prove atheism yeah. like, ha, right. there's no God because he's either not all-powerful or he's not good. Um, he definitely can't be both of those things. And if he's not, then he just must not exist, right? That is, yeah. That's kind of that conclusion that uh, of falling through. But it's the assumption that in his all-powerfulness and his goodness, that within the bed of, of fallen world that we live in, that he can't use it for good. Mm-hmm. It's an assumption that he can't do that. It's putting a limit on what God can accomplish, yeah. even through the most horrendous things. And Christians... And be- believers throughout history, throughout the existence of, of, of the universe, yeah. that's never been a dagger of their faith. Mm-mm. No. It's never ended God. Mm-mm. It's never proved that he's not good or all-powerful. Um, it's just a vain statement to make. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not hurting. It doesn't mean you don't have questions. But it doesn't disprove God. No. It doesn't disprove his goodness. Mm-mm. And so... Once again, whether you're going through something now or maybe we'll go through something later, understand it doesn't mean God isn't all powerful. It doesn't mean that God isn't all good. Yeah. Um, um, and you can trust them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It. You know, it's a strong emotional argument, mm. but I don't think it's a strong uh, philosophical argument or theological argument yeah. against God. Because the thing is, like, I mean, the the fact is why is there that suffering and pain and it might seem like an easy answer for us to say well god has a morally sufficient answer for why um and for the skeptic or atheist i mean that burden of proof to prove that god doesn't have a morally sufficient answer or reason i should say is just it's an impossible burden of proof to bear yeah so it definitely isn't a strong theological argument or philosophical argument, um, but when people make it, the difficult thing is it's a very strong emotional argument. Yeah. And so that's where, again, I think we need to be wise in how we answer. Yeah. And and again, my answer is going to vary, you know, depending on the person coming to me. Is it someone that's truly, you know, just trying to wrestle with that and and, and maybe their faith is shaken, or maybe they're, they're, they're not a believer yet, and that's a hindrance for them coming to faith is because of a great tragedy mm-hmm. that they've seen. Well, you know, my answer is obviously gonna be a little more sy- hopefully sympathetic and compassionate yeah. and try to point out, well, that wasn't the perspective of the early followers of Christ who suffered greatly. Um, again, if it's an antagonist atheist, well, my answer is gonna be a little bit different, right. you know? My answer is gonna probably be, well, you know, why, why do you care? You know, I don't have a problem with suffering because I see in God's word like that that, that God's going to use it for his glory. Right. But you don't have a problem with it either in your worldview because the universe that we're in doesn't care. This stuff <laughs> well, happens. Right.
0: In regards to the atheists, they can't even explain what good is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what wrong is. Like they don't even have a grounds for a complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're just a bunch of chemical reactions. Yeah. Our emotions aren't even real. Yep. So you, it's ironically using an emotional from, – from a skeptic or an atheist to use an emotional argument about good and evil is ironic because I don't know if they believe in good or evil in a very substantial sense. Sure. Um, they have a sense they, – they they know what right and wrong is, mm-hmm. but they don't have an argument for it Yeah. any more than they have an argument for emotion. And yeah. yet they're coming from that
1: place. Yeah, that's right. That's very interesting. That's right. And and um And again, that doesn't – that doesn't mean that we don't take that argument seriously, right. because that is a roadblock. I think for some right. who are are um, who we want to see come to faith in yes. Christ, and so that's why it's you know just because it's so heavy emotionally, yeah. it's something we need to take serious and we yeah. need to try to walk people through that and explain yeah. what is the theological reason and um, one one of um, one of the instances I think of in a debate. Um, it was, uh, William Lane Craig and I forget who he was debating. It might've been Sam Harris. I forget which atheist he was debating, but it came up. The atheist was, was unloading on all these things. Like how could God exist and, and all these things happening. And he brought up a four-year-old dying of cancer. It's like, what do you say to that four-year-old? Well, in William Lane Craig's rebuttal, he said, I'd like to ask you, like, what do you say to a four-year-old who's dying of cancer? You know, I mean my answer is that look, God has a purpose in this and through this and that you're going to be with God for all of eternity and you're not going to be suffering and in pain and and have these things and God has though we may not know it and see it now, God has a a, a purpose in this, a distinct purpose. But what does an atheist say? A four-year-old. You know, isn't this just just stuff happens in this yeah. in this random, unguided or universe where there's no personal governance or guidance. and you know I thought that that was um, I thought it was a really good a good response yeah. of like you know what what does the atheist say to those things that are, that are tragic that's consistent with their worldview? Yeah yeah,
0: that's good. And one last thing on the fact of it's, it's such an emotional thing is that like you said, there's wisdom and understanding where someone's coming from. Mm-hmm. Someone sincerely needs help maybe it's they just want you to pray with them yeah yeah maybe they just want you to sit with them and not really say anything at all just be there just be there um be there for the people that are around you be there for people in any community and those are outside of a community that are looking to your community for help yeah. within the church yeah. and um and what i have told people multiple times and this is important to me in regards to a response sometimes is because um I've had multiple people ask me, why did this person in my life have to die? They were so Mm -hmm. good. Like, why not me? Yeah. Mm. Or why not some other person that did some horrible crime? Mm -hmm. But why my sister? Why my mom? Why? These are the questions that people will ask me. And do I say, oh, it rains on the just in the end? Of course not. (laughs) No. Of course not. Because I do believe in a sovereign God that has purpose and does these things. And so I, my initial response is, I do not know why it was your sister. I don't know why it was your mom. I have no idea. But I know that God loved them more than you even possibly could. Yeah. And when I, and then I just listen. Yeah. And, I, and if someone will let me, I'll pray with them. But I think it's important, even as pastors, as leaders, to not be afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. In regards to the specifics yeah. of a certain situation. Some things we can see in the long run. Some things we can't. But especially when you're in the midst of it, you have no idea why someone's relative just died. You have <laughs> no idea why someone just got diagnosed with cancer. You don't know why. So the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know... Is that God is loving and God is good yeah. and let's take it to him yeah yeah because he knows what's That's going right. on even though I don't yeah so I think it's, so be there don't be afraid to not know the answer mm-hmm. to that
1: specific situation because you probably don't yeah and I honestly I remember um, so my father passed away on a Friday that Sunday two days later I remember praying with you and Pastor Larry it was right before our service mm-hmm. when we were meeting at the hotel mm-hmm. I remember in the back room praying um, and just um, just expressing even how like all these emotions that I'm going through, mm-hmm. and even then just the the fear of my own mortality. Yeah. And I brought that up um, about you know I mean I'm having these these um, this grief, but also it's turning into like some anxiety about yeah. what about when I pass away, and what about my family, what about my wife, what about my my children. Yeah. And I remember you guys both brought just um, a lot of comfort you were just there for me you prayed with me but then pointed out that truth that don't forget God loves them, your family more than you do yeah. and that stuck with me you know and and at the time it did bring comfort but even more than that it was it was after the fact looking back on that conversation mm. um, and I distinctly remember that um, that that time of prayer and just the people that were there, there for me, um, and just you know, weren't, weren't trying to answer all the big theological questions. You know, I was, but even as I was answering them, was kind of like like in your illustration that you gave about C.S. Lewis was wondering, do I truly believe this? Yeah, are these things going to be enough yeah. um, to get me through this? And you know, I think even like for for you and I, like not to say we haven't gone through pain and suffering, we we have, but you know, probably not to the degree many have, but Absolutely. yet we know that, like, because we're in this fallen world, that that, what again, what appears to be a tragedy could strike at any moment. Yeah. I mean, a week from now, we could find out that we have stage four cancer right. and we've got months to live. Yeah. Or that could be true of our spouse
0: yeah.
1: or one of our kids. Yeah. And again, that's a great um, fear, I think, that we have of. Of not not that we can't answer those things theologically, but will what about when we're going through that? Because the reality of this world that we're in, those things could happen, yeah. you know. And and are we prepared to deal with that? And I think the answer is that um, knowing these things theologically is very important, but just resting in the fact that God's grace will be enough and it will be sufficient. If and when we go through some of those tragedies,
0: yeah, that's very good. He, his grace will be sufficient. Um, there's um, the reality of this conversation, in the world we live in. It reminds us, or it should, of how little control, yeah, mm. that we have. Yes, I mean, they're. Not a single week, sometimes not even a single day goes by without some sort of event or death, whether someone we personally know or someone that somebody else knows or whether it's a news article yeah. or whatever. Like this, every day, it's like, whoa, someone has cancer. Mm-hmm. Someone just got in a car accident and they're gone. Like, like um, and, and it, it doesn't matter if it's the poor or the, the wealthy and famous. Yeah. Every week, every month, every year. And it just shows how little control that we have. That's right. Um, And hopefully, as we process, hopefully throughout our lives, what will happen is a greater faith in God. A greater understanding of our need for His grace. Yeah. um, And trust in his sovereign work and will and yeah. what he's going to accomplish and the ultimate hope that we have in christ yeah in the restoration uh that is to come that's the right. new heaven and the new earth yeah um when we won't be having conversations about suffering anymore yeah um yeah. this right. uh yeah this conversation won't
1: won't probably even touch our lips that's right um in in the future and and even though we see this, like you said, we see these things on a daily basis. What we say are tragedies, mm-hmm. um, but I think there still is a tendency we think, well, that's not going to happen to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, we see every day people die in in car wrecks, right. but we think, well, that's not going to be me. Right. Or we see someone's spouse passes away at what we would say as a young age. We say, well, that's not going to happen to me. And the reality is. We don't have control over that. Yeah. We don't have control over that. And so we can live our life paranoid. We can live our our life just obsessing over every possible tragedy that could happen. Um, or we can live our life knowing that we have a sovereign God who's in control of all of these things. Okay. and that honestly, this this life, there's so much more to come after this life, that we mm-hmm. can be bold, courageous, for God, for his kingdom. doesn't mean we live flippantly or carelessly or, or foolishly. Right. But we know that um, that God is in control of those things. And and like you said, like we're living for that day that's coming. Yeah. The day when there's the new heaven, the new earth. There's no pain, suffering, sorrow. And I think sometimes when tragedy happens, whether it's to us, whether it's to someone we know and love, it just brings us, it snaps us back into that reality of are we truly living for what matters In yeah. what's important? Yeah. Or are we putting all our stock in having a good, long, prosperous life yeah. here? And if that's what we're living for, we're just setting ourselves up for great disappointment Absolutely. and great devastation.
0: Absolutely. So I'm gonna just ask you just a, a couple more questions as we begin to wrap, wrap up this conversation. Um, but please, don't click off the video yet. <laughs> um, if it's correct and good, to praise God for our blessings, is it wrong to blame him for what we would consider tragedies if he's the
1: one overseeing this mm. law? Well? Yeah, well, I would say yes. I mean, I, I don't know that I would use the word blame, but <laughs> I would say, um, again, because our, our theology is that God is in control, that even what seems like a tragedy Is that God is using for His purpose and His glory. Um, However, I would say this though: I think that we see in Scripture that that man is responsible; that man can make choices. And so, the the person that commits the horrible crime and then complains about their punishment of suffering in prison, well, no, they can't blame God for that. You know, because they brought it on themselves. Right um you know but what about you know the tragedy that comes on us because of someone else's sin and i would say also like we we'll blame the person that sinned blame the person that committed the crime or committed the action um but also we have to recognize that god and his sovereignty allowed that to happen yeah um and i think it was um i think it was corey ten boom who said sometimes god permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves mm. And, um, and so again, I think we do see that in scripture and that's one of those things that's hard, hard to wrestle with. It seems like a contradiction, the sovereignty of God, the the free will of man. Um, and I think those are things that we do need to wrestle through theologically and have the conversations about, but I think we do rest in the fact that, um, that God isn't, God is in control. And so we recognize that, um. You know that he could have stopped it and did it and so the question is God what are you going to accomplish for your glory through what seems like a tragedy hmm. um how can we grow in our
0: faith so that we can learn to trust God in his sovereignty I'm kind of pulling off what you just said yeah uh even going through great suffering and heartbreak like um
1: how how are we how can we grow in yeah. our faith how can we learn to trust in Lord And and honestly, I think it is when we go through that, that is what strengthens Mm. our faith. I think that, you know, when you look at whether it's in our own life or people who um, just have a strong faith and a a maturity in in their faith and that, you know, have been maybe even a comfort and help to us in our time of of Mm. discouragement. Are people that have gone through very difficult times, but yet um, they've wrestled through that, and many times wrestled through some of the questions we have about it. Mm-hmm. And I think what we see is that God, you know, stre- strengthens our faith. Sure, there's people that lose faith mm-hmm. during those times, and I say that sympathetic. Like, yeah. I'm not blaming them. I'm not trying to to shame them. Yeah. Um, because, again, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know right. what I'm going to face in a week and how that could affect and shake my faith. Right. But I think when we see people that have gone through that, I know in my own life, not that I've gone through a great deal of, of tragedy, but the difficult times I look back on, and and now I see like God strengthened my faith in those times. Many times of just wrestling with God in prayer, of pouring into Scripture, and I see that God has given me a greater love a greater confidence and a greater faith in him during those times mm. because of those times.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. Something you kind of implied there too is that um, not only can our faith be shaped and grow through dark times, but that when someone else's faith is being strengthened and go through a dark time, it also can encourage and grow, yeah. grow our faith. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that is true. There's, of seeing people go through some things that I've not gone through, yeah. I have not experienced, and see them go through it and see their faith grow and see them still. to I'll say, I'll put it this way. Nothing is more powerful of a testimony when I know what someone just went through mm-hmm. or is going through and they come to a Sunday gathering and I see them sometimes with tears in their eyes yeah. mm. and singing God's praises from their mouths. Yeah. And it moves me when I see that because it's like, but I know what you're going through right now. Maybe I don't Mm -hmm. personally understand it, the feelings and emotions, but I'm aware of what you're going through. And I see praising God through the storm. And I know for me, on the outside looking into someone's storm, I see how God is using what they're going through to strengthen other people's faith outside of it. So it's,
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. It strengthens your faith when you see that, and you know we've seen many people in our church who have gone through just in these last few years, just tremendous loss and pain. But to see that that their faith is is not shattered, it's strengthened. Yeah. And I think of even Paul's words in Philippians when he was in prison or he was jailed, um, and, and he said that though he was pointing out like God's being magnified, the gospel's being furthered. And he said, and, and some of you are now much more bold hmm. to speak the word because they've seen his faith. Hmm. And I think that, that not only we see that in Scripture, but you're right, we see that lived out. And it really does. It really does strengthen our faith when we see someone who's just gone through tragedy, how that their faith is strengthened even in the midst of that. Yeah, and I think it's
0: because <laughs> we have to be thinking, if God is sufficient for them— mm. Through this, then whatever I have to face tomorrow, he'll be sufficient for me too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's good. Um. Well, last question really, um, is what truth about God in light of suffering has been the most helpful or encouraging to
1: you in your life? Yeah. I I think honestly, it's just um, is just knowing um, his faithfulness. And his love, um, it just makes it, um, or it just, to me personally, um, even though maybe right in the midst of of great suffering and pain, it hasn't seemed like God is faithful or that God is loving. But yet going through that, looking back, um, that God has given grace and that God has given hope and comfort in my life and knowing that even in those dark moments, God was there, though I couldn't see it at the time. And not only that God was there, but that that God had a purpose in it. And so for me, just um, I guess seeing God's faithfulness and God's love, and and for me personally, it wasn't really even in those moments. So there were times in those moments of grief and and pain that I of course felt his love, and I knew he was faithful. Um, but even looking back and not that you ever truly get over tragedy, part of that lives with you, especially with a loved one dying or something that's, you know, never going to be the same again. Um, but yet for me, um, just seeing God's faithfulness, that God's love, that his grace will be sufficient to get, to get me through that it has, and it will in the future, no matter what comes, no matter what humanly speaking tragedy may come, knowing that God is faithful and that God is loving.
0: Well, thanks once again, Joel, for, for being on the podcast and for having this conversation yeah. about suffering. Thanks for having me. Um, I know it's not always an enjoyable conversation to have about yeah. suffering, but it's an important one. It's it is. something that none of us can really avoid. Yeah. No. Um, and so it's just uh, an important conversation, a good conversation, and I thank you for it. Uh, be sure to um, like and subscribe because i got some more Love the Bible episodes coming out. Very soon. So I'm looking forward to releasing those, but be sure you're subscribed so you can hear those uh, when they come out. Um, And if there's a conversation that you'd like me to have with anyone in the future on any topic, please leave in the comments uh, a topic that you'd like to hear discussed uh, here on the podcast. Um, And uh, I would love to get to those topics uh, if that would be an encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, Thanks for listening and have a great day.
1: Live the Bible, a Biblicist podcast.